Have you always wanted to do something? Have you ever felt the passion or drive towards something and dreamed to one day achieve it, but for whatever reason you held yourself back? What if I told you that you have the ability to do whatever you want to do in life? What if I gave you the key to success? Would you take it? Or would you be too afraid of the unknown? You have to understand that every choice you have made in life led you to where you are today. Don't put it off. Your success is right here, right now, if you want it. The question I ask you is, why wait? Good morning, my beautiful people. Welcome to Why Wait, inspirational and motivational podcast helping you find success and live the best life you can one day at a time. It's your boy, Danny Royce. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. I hope y'all had a great weekend and a great Halloween. I just got back from... uh, Just got back from Savannah and Atlanta. We had a great time, folks. Great opportunities, great experiences, and a lot of time to say, why wait? I hope y'all had some some moments like that, some experiences like that. Why wait? Go after your dreams. Go after your goals. Go after your vision. Tomorrow is not promised, as we see time and time again. Tomorrow is not promised, folks. So go ahead. Go after those dreams. Go after those goals. Don't wait. Don't wait. Because there's no reason to. Now is the opportunity to go get it. It's all about knowing yourself. Knowing your true self. You know, oftentimes we walk with an image. We walk around doing what people, what we think people want us to do. My mentor a while ago told me that the universe will give you what you want. The universe is in our favor. We are one with the universe. We are from the earth. It will give you what you want. But when you don't know who you are, when you go through life living behind an image, living behind expectations of what you think you should be or who others think, other think people think you should be. Once you do that, the universe does not know who you are. You are illegal you are a stranger knowing yourself is so important knowing who you are your likes your dislikes yourself as a person stop lying to yourself and the universe will have no choice but to give you what you want my next guest knows himself found his truth and he is doing some awesome things Everybody, you don't want to miss this. But I do want to say, if you love this podcast and if you want to hear more, you want to support your boy, go ahead and please scroll up or down. You should see a like, a favorite, 
a subscribe button. Whatever that button says, go ahead and click that button. That way you won't miss any episode that we air on Mondays, okay? Go ahead and share the podcast as well. Share with anyone you know. We want to share these messages, these stories, these inspirational little nuggets for people. You never know whose life you're going to change. Folks, we got a great great interview coming up with oh my god this guy is amazing great guest stay tuned don't move a muscle your boy will be back All right, everyone, welcome to Why Wait? It's your boy Danny Royce here. We are here talking to an amazing individual. He is an author, activist, actor, minister, co-founder of the Icon and BME community. Can't wait to hear more about that. It's a national movement of community builders led and inspired by black men. Also a finalist for Ford Magazine 30 Under 30. Everyone, please welcome Benjamin Carlton. How you doing, buddy? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for being here. Glad to be here. Right? Thanks for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, you know, this this podcast is all about, you know, motivating and inspiring people to do the best they can, um, not living life for granted and just going after what they want. Um, and that, you just seem like you got that all down. <laughs> so i like to thank you once again for being on the podcast and sharing a little bit of yourself with us. Um, so we're just going to dive right in. I want to know a little bit more about Benjamin. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing, where you're from, and kind of like your your family values that you grew up on. So I'm from uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Philly, Philly. Philly. Home <laughs> of uh, Philly cheesesteak, yep. pretzel, um, uh, cream cheese, yep. uh, tasty cakes, yeah, Will Smith, Boys to Will, Patty LaBelle, you know, uh, um, uh, meat mill, so yeah, you know, yeah. come from a good uh, <clears throat> hometown. Uh, went to school at Florida A&M University, mm. uh, also known as the illustrious, yeah, uh, number one HBCU in the nation. Uh, so uh, went uh, and and stayed in Tallahassee for some years after college. Um, while there, did a whole bunch of stuff. Had the true black college experience. Um, which really shaped and molded a lot of the work that I do today. Mm-hmm. Moved from Tallahassee to Miami um, to start with um, one of the top four accounting firms in the country. Um, really wasn't feeling that after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of took a break to figure, well, it was kind of a forced break. Right. <laughs> so you got to go. <laughs> a forced break, right. Yeah. And so kind of figured out what the heck I wanted to do and, right. and where I wanted to land. Um and so uh, I thought, you know, with my good looks and my uh, MBA that I would get a job immediately. Well, in South Florida, specifically, namely Miami, you need to know Spanish. Yes. So I'm like, I just want to be a greeter at Walmart. Why do I need to learn Spanish? What is happening? Right. And so um, nothing worked out for six months. I started volunteering and, and you know I have a background in business and communication so mm-hmm. I started doing people's PR their press releases their packages promos and then helping businesses get off the ground mm-hmm. and then people started paying me to do it and I was like wait I don't need a job I go. am my job yeah there you go and so started Evans and Associates um, hmm. and 
uh, from there started doing events and I held a political um, debate. Um, one of my friends was running for commissioner. Mm. And so I held a debate, was very successful. My name started growing. Who was this guy? Where did he come from? How dare he come in our community and host right. a debate? Right. And from there, uh, Travian Shorters, who was vice president of the James L. Uh, and John S. Knight Foundation, um, was uh, stepping down to start Beaming. Mm -hmm. which is a national movement of community builders that are led and inspired by uh, uh, black men. Okay. And so um, the Knight Foundation gives out $300 million a year. Wow. Um, is in 26 cities across the country. And so he was stepping down and needed a team to help him get Be Me started. And so uh, uh, folks reach out to me and I'm like, no, I don't need a job. <laughs> you know, I just started my own thing. Right. They're like, listen, check this out. I read it. I was like, I'd do this for free. <laughs> and wow. even in the interview, he said he never had anybody interview with him in such a way. Afterwards, he says, hey, the next person you're going to interview with is in London. So it's going to take some time. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's fine. I'm not looking for a job. Mm. I said, I'm here and I want to commit to helping to grow this organization. But I'm not looking for a job. So he never had anybody say that to him ever really? in an interview in all the years he's interviewed folks. And so um, from there, BME got started. And BME is all about recognizing people by their assets and not their deficits. Mm. So, you know, um, helping folks to look at the value in someone versus the stigma right. or what you quote unquote their deficit is, you know, Simple example, if you once peed the bed, mm. right, as a child, <laughs> right. you as a full-grown man right now would not introduce yourself, hey, <laughs> this is Danny, and I, I'm Danny, I used to wet the bed. Right. What? <laughs> Why are we still focused on that? Exactly. But that's what we do for everybody else. That's true. If someone once dealt with, you know, crack addiction, if someone once, you know, was in jail, or mm -hmm. someone, want, you know, we, we judge people by their worst moment in their life and don't let them get past that. Right. And so Be Me is all about um, investing in people's better nature and uplifting the positive stories um, about what's going on in our communities and not so much to negative. Okay. And so we expanded from two cities to seven. Um, we've given over $2 million to 200 plus black men who work every day to build community. And I'm still doing that. Nice. In the midst of doing all of that and traveling across the country, uh, something was still missing. Um, you know, I've enjoyed my job, still enjoy my job and enjoy what I do. But um, I do a vision board at the beginning of each year. Mm -hmm. And I write down kind of what I want to happen of course, that's what a vision board is. <laughs> yeah. It's a vision. Yeah, it's a vision. It's a vision. <laughs> and so this one particular year, I wrote down, I want to do a stage play. Mm -hmm. And I want to do stand-up comedy. Because okay. everybody says, Ben, you're so funny. You need to do stand-up. I'm like, I'm not that funny. That's... I'm like around the Thanksgiving table right, right. funny. Not stand-up in front of a huge crowd and be funny. Exactly. But I said, Whatever. <laughs> And then I used to do plays throughout, you know, elementary, middle, high. I was like, I want to get back to that. Maybe that's what it is. You know, I mm -hmm. love being on stage. And so I forgot I put that on my vision board. A good friend of mine, um, Jonathan Spikes, reached out and said, hey, I'm doing a play. There's a small minister's role because I'm also a minister. He mm -hmm. said, you're a perfect fit. 
you know, come to the auditions. I came to the auditions and the director and the writers, they really loved me and, and offered me another role mm. that was supporting. Okay, nice. And I was the uh, boyfriend of the main character. And so uh, a week after that, another friend reached out, um, Tony Lima, who runs Save Day, which is um, an LGBTQ uh, activism program. Um, and, and, and they were doing, uh, no, no, not Tony, sorry. I'm getting my organization. <laughs> a lot of organizations <laughs> yes. to keep track of. <laughs> comic, I'm, I'm a part of so much Comic Cure. Comic Cure. Okay. Yeah, Tony was in the, the 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 comedy show with me, but Comic Cure is actually a, a good friend of mine named Ben Lease. Mm. He's from Philly too, but we met in Miami. Gotcha. And so they put on comedy shows to support a good cause. So the money they raised would go to cancer or mm-hmm. go to whatever. So right. it's called Comic Cure. Right. That's and awesome. And so he was like, hey, I am hosting an event and we're going to roast the candidates. And you're pretty funny. I think you should come and roast the candidates. And so that year I did my stage play and I did stand-up comedy. And no one believed that was my first time doing stand-up. Really? They was like, you got it. <laughs> you have it. Nice. And so I roasted Donald Trump. I roasted a couple other folks. Oh. But it was fun. How was that experience uh, getting on stage for you? Because I mean, I did stand up as well, and it's no joke. It's different from plays, <laughs> for yes. sure. Yes. Just the adrenaline rush and everything, because you're literally playing off of the audience. So, yeah. how and if that you're not you? funny, <laughs> you'll know very quickly. <laughs> right. So, so talk talk to us a little bit about that. How was that experience for you getting up there for the first time? I was nervous as all mm-hmm. and I'm generally never nervous mm-hmm. prior to hitting a stage. I host events, mm-hmm. I do keynote speeches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm 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 confident. That's the one thing I know. I'm con- give me a microphone and it's over. Yeah, but I was shaking like yeah. in my boots. I was so scared. It's crazy. And so the host, he you know made it a little easier because he. He broke the ice with some jokes prior to me getting up there about me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, sir. Uh, it's like, hold up now. You're doing, you're doing a lot now. Wait a minute. I am a comedian. And right. so uh, he broke the ice and I got up and I mean, audience are, are so important. Yes. And, you know, this was a very light audience. They wanted to laugh. Some audiences, especially... Uh, black audiences like for deaf comedy jam mm-hmm. something like that like they they are looking forward to you failing right they are right <laughs> they, like they're, they're waiting, waiting they're waiting for you to mess up i'm gonna laugh i'm gonna laugh i'm gonna laugh it's funny i'm gonna laugh you know right. it wasn't that audience right you know i could have said boo boo the fool and they would have bust out i <laughs> got you but yet and still once i got the first laugh out I, I forgot even some of the things I wrote. I just went with the mm-hmm. audience. And yeah. um, it was amazing. Just so. ride the audience wave. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so if you're going to take a stage, you need to be able to discern your audience. Yes. If a joke That's is not going a certain way, baby, you need to make a left real right. quick. <laughs> real quick. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Richard Pryor's son. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. And why? I don't know why he did this. He went to the Apollo. Mm. and tried to do stand-up and was not funny. Yeah. And ended up cussing the audience out oh. for not laughing. Right. It's like, sir, if you're going to go somewhere, 
Do not go to the Apollo of all places. Right, right. Apollo is worse than death. Is worse than, than death down. comedy. Death, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, wow. Yeah, don't cuss your audience. <laughs> come on. Just have a few jokes in the bag that you can pivot to. Right, for sure. Yeah, yeah. come on, Rich. <laughs> His little son. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. Well, perfect. So, uh, the ministry. You know, we're going to talk about a little bit. Uh, you being a minister. So how. How was like your childhood? Uh, were you a very spiritual family growing up? Um, and how did you be- get into that? Not at all. Mm-hmm. My family was not um, heathens, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but we just didn't go to church. Right. I was called since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. My grandfather was a, a minister. My, my Nana, uh, they were separated, but my Nana was an usher. I had no clue about their church life. Mm. Like when we would go visit her, she would put on her white nurse's uniform, go to church, come back. She didn't take, like they didn't force religion on us at all. My grandfather didn't force us to go to church. I had no clue. But when I was in first grade, when people would like play house, Mm. play doctor or Mm. play McDonald's, remember the McDonald's? I would want to play church. Okay. I would get the Bible and I would read you know, uh, Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, you know, <laughs> gather my friends in the yard, and I would read the Bible. Really? Okay. And it was like, where did that come from? That could come from, the, I, I didn't watch a bunch of church on TV. Right. My parents didn't force religion. That could only come from the inner calling mm-hmm. on my life. Right. And uh, I had an aunt visit Philadelphia from Miami. She was an evangelist. I didn't know anything about her life either. Mm. So none of these people had impact on me because I didn't know. Right. So she was visiting Philly and she wanted to go to church. And so my mom called her sister and said, hey, my my sister, which was her husband's uh, sister, mm-hmm. wants to go to church. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I want to go too. <laughs> I went to church with, with her and never looked back. Wow. And I started going consistently. Either my aunt would pick me up or I would take the bus and be involved in youth ministry. And then eventually my mom started sending my siblings, mm. my sisters. Then eventually my mom started coming. <laughs> then my stepfather got tired of dropping us off. He like, might as well stay. He started coming. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And then next, you know, more and more of my cousins started coming. And nice. then more and more of us started participating. That's and awesome. I always say I'm the champion that, that got y'all back. Right. So, yeah. you know, we didn't come from a religious family at all. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few of us, I think I am the only one, uh, of my age who is licensed or who is a minister. So like, we don't come from a big, you know, uh, faith-based family. But, right. Um, so I, I believe it was cause I was called. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and then also just as that, um, that way for your family to also come back, yeah. you know, that, that was very interesting that you, that you put that in there. Um, so we're going to talk about. You're openly gay male, black male, put it that way as well, because um, it's very, it's and very significant in this country, especially at this time. Um, how was that for you growing up? Um, first off, where did you come out? So I came out to my family in 2014. Okay. And then came out to the world in 2015. 2015, gotcha. 
Um, so it's still fairly new. It's yes. been out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I thought when I came out, dating life would be much better. Uh, it's worse. <laughs> I hate it. I I don't like anybody. <laughs> so you all can just stay I'm now. I'm come out. I'm asexual. <laughs> Can't be bothered with none of y'all. Right. It's just too much. No yes. girl, boy. It doesn't matter. It's just too much. It's too much. <laughs> Um, how was that growing up for you uh, in, in that in that realm? Because you know, religion obviously is a lot of times teaches sinful nature, yeah. teaches going to hell. All this stuff surrounds homosexual lifestyle. So for you pursuing ministry, the ministry, and being gay, yeah, how was that for you growing up and getting into that? Well, um. I always tell the story about when I was in kindergarten and I kissed um, one of my guy friends and all of the kids burst out, you know, oh, I'm telling you're nasty. And I'm like, I just saw y'all do the same thing, mm. you know, with guy. Mm -hmm. right, right. And so I knew that something was wrong. I just didn't know why, mm -hmm. but I knew it was wrong. And I didn't want that feeling of rejection or being the weird kid. And so from then I started learning how to hide myself. Mm -hmm. And so um, listening to what people would say about faggots and, you know, people would say about sissies because I was a soft kid. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a crybaby. <laughs> I was, I was, um, I was, uh, you know, soft hearted, you know, yeah. compassionate, right. caring. Right. So people would generally, you know, make fun of me for being soft. I mm -hmm. couldn't throw. <laughs> you can't throw my life. Can't throw me in a black man. Yeah, <laughs> you know that. And I was crazy. Big, so you know. Right. Anyway. Right. And then there's a medicine called Ben Gay. <laughs> so that didn't help. So <laughs> everybody teased me Ben Gay. But I'm like, I can't win I for can't. losing. I can't. And so I wow. tried to. I couldn't compete with the guys on the the the. the, the basketball court, football field, all that. Mm -hmm. So I competed intellectually. I would win all the competitions right. in school. There I would get all the straight A's. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I might be soft, but I'm smarter than you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you there know? you go. And so I found ways to cope and deal. You know, I could go home and, and, and cause I, I came from a multicultural neighborhood in Philadelphia. Okay. I could go home and say, mom, mom, this kid called me a nigger, mm -hmm. you know, and we deal with that. I couldn't go home and say, my mom, this kid called me gay. Right. So I learned how to mask things at a very early age mm -hmm. and to hide my feelings and to cope with things all by myself, which I think has made me such a strong person mm -hmm. today. And so I think I ran to God in hopes of him changing me mm. and delivering me. Mm -hmm. And I thought the closer I got to God, the 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 more mercy He would have on me for being gay. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. yeah. Like I'm serving you. I'm in church. <laughs> I'm here every week. I'm here multiple times a week. Right. Doing what I can. Please right. don't send me to hell. Right, right. You know. And so, um, and that was torture. Mm -hmm. Not to be able to love yourself fully. Right. And not to be able to embrace yourself and express yourself. You know, people can have conversations. I don't think I ever had a birds and bees conversation with my parents. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> and I think it was because, well, no, I know my mother knew. <laughs> but what I, the type of questions I had, I couldn't ask. <laughs> All right. And so, 
I think the more and more people can be open, especially with their children, the less heartache you will yeah, you can set in up the long for them. run. Right, right. Yeah, if you if if you're open, honest, and you know the thing is, um, I can't remember exactly. I think it was Miles Monroe um, just speaking about you know it's not necessarily uh, the issue is not necessarily you you know trying to get to God and saying okay change me change me the issue is not that it's how you see yourself how you love yourself because. God wants you to love yourself the way he does. Yeah. And it's just, it, it speaks volumes because it's like, you know, you having that growing up is and shutting off your emotion, hiding, putting up this wall. I would like to know how that um, helped or hurt you, hurt you in, in your, your life um, as far as acting and everything, just hiding and not being your true self. So it helped in a very great way. Mm-hmm. In that I hold no offense. Mm. I hold no grudge. Mm. Life is too short. Yeah, it is. And I'm used to rejection. I'm used to people, you know, not um, uh, appreciating me for me. So when life rejects me and when things happen in life, I'm good. Right. Because um, I've dealt with this before. Um because I spent a lot of time with myself, mm-hmm. I love me. There you go. <laughs> and so I have a great adoration and love for myself. I have a great confidence in who I am. And because I never want anybody to experience the pain and the hurt and the anguish that I did, it makes me such an open and caring person. Mm. There is almost no one. And I can, you know, you can ask anybody to surround me that doesn't mind and want my company mm. because I bring light to the room. Right. I bring joy to the room. Right. I bring a smile to the room. My smile is contagious. My laugh is contagious because I just have so much good energy because I don't want anybody to feel what I felt. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't want anybody to be lost and lonely and isolated and you know, made fun of. Mm-hmm. So I defended people who got bullied with strange. Right. I didn't stand up for myself, but I was standing up for people for who got bullied. Right. And today I'm an advocate for anybody. There you go. Our most vulnerable communities I'm an advocate right. for. Our black communities, our LGBTQ communities, especially our trans communities, uh, the poor, mm-hmm. uh, women and children. You right. know, I will stand up against the bullies because I was bullied. Right. And so what was meant for evil turned out for my good. Yeah, there you go. And so I am a better man for all of it. That's awesome to hear. So we're going to actually get into uh, acting. Um, so you got you wanted to get back on the stage um, and start in plays, right? So that's kind of like where it kind of built up. Right. So moving, when did you move out here to L.A.? Um, December of 2017. December of 2017. Okay, not too, not too, not too far back. Um, so what made you come out here decide when you decided I'm going to take this leap and go to LA and pursue this? How was that for you? And what were your thoughts during that transition? So, um, you know, after doing the first stage play, I know what I am. I'm not what you call me, which was actually about. Um, a young man who struggled with his identity mm-hmm. and struggled with loving and accepting himself uh, was an amazing production put on by my friends in Miami um, built some really good relationships from that you know 
I kept getting so many compliments and I was like, okay, I need to take this seriously. Mm. And so, um, you know, the first couple of plays were rough. <laughs> you know, my, my acting chops weren't all that great. Right, right. You know, when I go back and look at the video, I'm like, they really wanted me. <laughs> and right. so, but with practice and, and, and um, you know, setting myself up on the different, you know, sites to audition, et cetera, started getting more roles, mm-hmm. commercials, plays, um, the, my, the, the, the play I loved the best was Dream Girls, mm. um, and I played Marty. Okay, uh, mainly wow. because I couldn't dance. They had, <laughs> they had all these dance moves for everybody else. I was like, nope, that's not gonna work. That's for me. not gonna work. I can get on the dance floor at a club. Right, I can't do all of this that y'all are doing. <laughs> right, right. So uh, had an amazing time with that. Met some great folks, and so I'm was thirty one and thirty two, and I was like, okay, I'm not getting any younger. Mm. Um, if I'm going to take this seriously, I need to get to a place where I can excel. Mm. And so at first it was Atlanta. It was Atlanta. I right. was flying actually back and forth to Atlanta to do things. Okay. A friend that lived there was like, no, it's not Atlanta. Mm. He was like, get to New York or get to LA. Right. He was like, Atlanta's up and coming, but Atlanta doesn't have the training exactly. in the schools that you need. Right. And he was like, you know, those who are trained can come here and excel. You right. need some training under your belt. Right. You need to, you know, refresh those chops. Right. <laughs> and so New York would have been easy because I'm from Philly, got family in New York. Philly's right there. I probably would always be home every weekend, mm-hmm. not being pushed to my greatest extent. Right. And so I was like, LA is it because LA is the challenge. Yes. And so a couple weeks after making that decision, packed up my car. Me and my dog drove to L.A. Nice. from Miami. A good friend of mine from Philly drove with us. She actually did most of the driving because I hate driving. <laughs> and I came out here and I'm just winning. Nice. Um, because I I have no distractions. Right. I'm eager. I'm hungry. And I'm, I'm a little bit more mature and seasoned of course. in taking care of business. So, you know, charting things out, planning things out, having a vision, going after it. It's it's been great, right? And so um, here I am. And it's, it's that change in mindset, right? It's, it's so important. You you said why wait? You know, right. <laughs> right. You know, let me live my best life and go after what I want. Right. So that's that's and, awesome. And really, what pushed a lot of this was in one year I lost five friends. Mm. They weren't necessarily really close friends, but they were associates, people I went to school with, people I hung out with. Um, and, and some were tragic and some were just natural. Mm. Right. And these were guys who were around my age. Right. So the youngest guy I think who passed was like 25. Wow. And so one was in a boat accident. Mm-hmm. He was riding a, um, jet ski and the boat hit him. He wow. Died. Another guy, um, was very successful entrepreneur, became a millionaire at a very young age, worked with him on starting some businesses. He was moving from Jersey to Jacksonville to start a church. Mm-hmm. He was driving on the road, pulled over on the highway to take a nap. That's what we're assuming. And a truck um, driver fell asleep at the mm. wheel and drove him off the road. Wow. He was 28. Wow. Another guy went to sleep, never woke up. Mm. Another guy, uh, as a brother of my friend, um, had cancer, died. Mm. And it's like, hold up. 
Tomorrow is not no, promised. Not at all. Tomorrow is not promised for no one. Nope. These were young guys thriving. These right. weren't like losers. Right. You, you know, like, <laughs> and like yeah. deathly ill or anything right. like that. Right. Yeah. Sudden. Right. Young. It's crazy. Tomorrow's not promised. I'm not holding back for nothing. Right. I'm going after it all. I love that. And so, you know, I mean, death has a way of moving you. I think. I was moved to come out because I lost two people, my grandfather and my aunt, um, who were very influential in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I lost those friends all in one year, I was like, wait, I'm not holding back. (laughs) Because who am I? Right. These people were educated, adorned, had great vision, had great missions and purposes in life. Gone. Mm -hmm. There's no guarantee I will be here. Why wait? Exactly. Why wait? And so I know we got to finish up pretty soon here. Um, so one quick thing, I do want to discuss a little bit about your book. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. I'm black, I'm a minister, and I'm gay. Yes. Um, so I know talk, talking and learning a little bit more about your upbringing, I see where the book came to go, came to be. Yeah. Um, how long did it take you to write this? And what was your greatest motivator? Um, so I have been supposedly writing this thing for years, but (laughs) never sat down and wrote it. Right. I I did an art. I came out um, to my family, the normal black Thanksgiving, (laughs) breaking the news (laughs) and it wreaked havoc. Wreaked havoc. Right. You know, nothing was not normal about that. It was normal TV breaking the news. Thanksgiving. Right. Uh, but no one should have been surprised. But anyway, um, I told the people in the organization who I work with, um, the, the guys that we work with, and they all embraced me. And, you know, I was very nervous about that. Um, but then I was, I unfortunately used to be one of those Bible thumpers that judged everybody. Mm. Um, that's what we were taught. Right. That's what we did. If you didn't live a certain way, you were going to hell. Right. And unfortunately, I fell right into the fold and did that. And so I came against homosexuals. Mm. I pretended to be quote unquote delivered Mm. and made up lies Mm. all to fit in and fit the mold of a minister. Right. And so I could not, because I'm now free, just show up on Instagram with a boo and have a boyfriend. Right. And so I wrote an article. uh, My organization did a campaign called Black, Black Men Love. And we talked about different things that we loved in our communities and what motivates us. And so I wanted to share my story. And it came out in the root.com, had 4 million views, hundreds of thousands of shares. And so it was very impactful. Doors started opening up for me. And I always say, and from that learning experience, that until you bring your full self to the table, Mm -hmm. the fullness of life will not present itself. Right. Because there's certain parts of you that unlock life. Yes. And if you keep that hidden... A friend of mine, uh, James Bland, said this when we were talking. He said, the universe doesn't recognize you. Mm -mm. Who is this imposter? And because I don't recognize you, I can't give you what's for you because you are not here. And so I learned that from that. And so um, more and more people, they wanted me to start a church. I'm like, no, I'm not. I can't do that. But more and more people had so many questions. And I was like, okay, I have to get this story out. Mm Mm-hmm. Sat on it, sat on it, sat on it. BET reached out. They wanted to do a reality show. Sat on it, sat on it. And um, I just did a TED Talk in Jacksonville. Yes. 
And I was like, I cannot go to this TED Talk empty-handed. I cannot have this opportunity come before me and me not have anything to offer right. after I give what I know will be an amazing talk. Right. And so it was, of course. Of course. And um, people wanted to know more of my story. And I'm like, hey, I have a book coming out. Here's where you can buy it. Nice. And so that's how the book came to be. Um, it's still in the process, um, still in the works. Um, and it, I'm connecting it to a movement um, called I'm Free For Me. Okay. So uh, I'm free for me, be free for you. Nice. Be, like be free for nobody but yourself. For yourself. Don't live for anybody else. Don't 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 try to to mold yourself to be accepted by anybody. Do it for you. Because when those people walk away, who do you have? Exactly. But yourself. Yourself. So I'm free for nobody but me. Right. Be free for you. And so I'm tying a book to that campaign and everything will be launched by next year. But that's kind of where all that came from. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a couple of things, few of many things I like to get into with you. Um, but due to time, we're going to uh, postpone that until later. I'd love to have you again back on the show. Um, so you said a little bit about what's next for you, the book um, still, you know, being progressed and all that. Anything else coming up for you that you like to let our audience know? Nope, just go I'm free for me dot com. Okay. Um, get more information about the book and the movement. And I think that will be uh, my focus. Uh, be me um, is actually expanding our fellowship. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's coming in the works. So you can check out BME community dot com dot org. Sorry. Yeah. And check that out. And Perfect. hopefully there'll be some news about acting. You know, I've been, yeah. been in a couple of things that'll be coming out. Um, towards the end of the year, next year, got a chance to sit and watch folks like Eddie Murphy, nice. Rosie O'Donnell, Courtney Cox, Mike Epps, right? That's uh, awesome. Folks like that work, and it's just like amazing to to live my best self and doing it for nobody but me. Right? Yeah, they, it's a different way that they just work around. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, all right, so cool. So one last thing you can tell our audience before you leave something that can just keep them motivated and push them. Anything you like to say? Yes. Um, you're here on purpose with the purpose. And every no that you get has nothing to do with your purpose. Mm. Don't, I learned this yesterday from Tammy Mack, don't ask why. Just take the no and move on. Right. Because your purpose will be fulfilled whether they say yes or no. Right. That no just means not them. Mm -hmm. That no just means not that way. Mm. That no just means there's something else. But guarantee that if you are obedient to the call in your life, your purpose will be fulfilled whether they're there for you or not. Right. That's true. You all heard it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Benjamin. Can you go ahead and tell them uh, where to find you on social media? Uh, if you want to have any questions or reach out. Twitter and Instagram at iBenCarlton. And then on Facebook, facebook.com slash Benjamin Carlton Live. Perfect. All right. Thank you very much, everyone.